Uh, most of us know what it's like to uh, fall asleep and dream. Uh, and while we're dreaming, uh, sometimes we don't realize it's a dream until we wake up. Uh, there was once an occasion in my final year of medical school uh, when my alarm went off in the morning. I got up, I had a shower, I got dressed, I walked to the bus stop, uh, and I was in the bus on the way to the hospital when I woke up and realized this was all a dream and now I was late for the morning ward round. <laughs> my subconscious mind, desperate for more sleep, had played tricks on me to get me to sleep longer. It's called false awakening. <laughs> you think you're awake and actually you're still asleep. Well, for those of you who are currently awake, uh, we are in the middle of a sermon series <laughs> on the Song of Songs. Uh, and this Song of Songs is a collection of love songs uh, written many hundreds of years before Christ. And it speaks of love between a bridegroom and a bride. Much wisdom we can learn from here about relationships and marriage. And, but more than that, uh, we know from other parts of the Bible that all marriages are meant to point to Christ and His church, including this one. And sometimes here we see glimpses of the kind of love that Christ has for His church and the church has for him. And sometimes we see contrasts between the inadequacies of marriages in this world, including this one, and the glory of the real marriage of Christ and his church, which is to come. Last week in the Song of Songs, we left the young couple enjoying intimacy, are pictured as being together in the garden of love. Uh, but in our passage today, this young woman is distressed, and she tells us her experience. She's fallen asleep in chapter 5, verse 2, but her heart is awake. She will dream of her beloved. And so as she sleeps in verse 2, she hears a sound, and it's her beloved knocking at the door. All right, the fact that actually recently married doesn't matter. This is a dream. He's, he's knocking. And he says to her in verse 2, open to me. My sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. Uh, even in the dream, he's talking nicely to her. Because right? that's what he always does. But how does she respond? Lazy la. Leche la. She doesn't want to get out of bed to open the door. She says in verse 3, I had put off my garment, how could I put it on? I'd bathed my feet, how could I soil them? But he persists. He gently tries to open the door. And suddenly she, she changes her mind. Uh, maybe she awakens more and she's, she, she's more excited about her lover. Uh, in verse 4 she says, My beloved put his hand to the latch and my heart was thrilled within me. She gets up quickly. She fumbles to, to, to perfume herself for him. As she says in verse 5, I arose to, to open my, to my beloved and my, my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the, on the hands of the bolt. And so she opens the door, and when she opens the door, oh, oh, the disappointment. Verse 6, I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned and gone. My soul failed me when he spoke. I sought him, but found him not. She 
left it too late. She'd given up. Now he'd given up, and he'd left. Friends, we all know what it's like to leave things too late, isn't it? Right, there's sometimes there are things that we want to say to someone, things we wanted to do for them, things, ways we intended to show our appreciation, and then we find out it's too late. Maybe they've died, or maybe they've left, maybe they've given up on us. And it's so frustrating. We get, we get angry with ourselves for not doing what we meant to do at the time we should have done it, and we're frustrated with them for not giving us another chance, and we desperately try to fix things, to, to pursue them, to, to bring them back. And, and sometimes when we do, we make things worse rather than better. Well, this young lady goes looking for her bridegroom. Verse 6 continues, I called him, he gave no answer. I, I sought him, but found him not. I called him, he gave no answer. And then, and then still in her dream, as she goes around looking for him, she's, she's found by the watchmen, those people who jaga the city at night. And we've met them before, haven't we, in chapter 3, where again she's gone looking for the one her soul loves. Uh, but this time the dream becomes very dark. It was always terribly distressing. Now it becomes a, a terrifying nightmare. In verse 7, the, the watchmen found me as they went about in the city. They beat me, they bruised me, they took away my veil, those watchmen of the walls. In all probability, this young lady knew what it was like to suffer terribly at the hands of others, and now she's reliving this awful trauma in her dream. Yet even this does not deter her from her beloved. Her focus is not her experience, but on her true love who treats her so differently. And so she speaks, as it were, to the young women in verse 8. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am sick with love. But why is she so desperate to find him? What is it about him that is so good that she, she wants them to help her find him? And so still in that dream, they, they ask her this in verse 9. What is your beloved more than other beloved, or most beautiful among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that, thus, that you thus adjure us? What's so special about him? Well, she says, don't get me started. Okay. Well, she doesn't actually say that. She, she just gets started, all right? In verse 10, she says, My beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. In her mind, she's in the top 0.01 percentile of guys, all right, for good looks. And she describes those good looks from head down, all right? His head in verse 11, fine as gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. Eyes. Like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, could be the, the white of his eyes, you know, contrasting with the dark, sitting beside a full pool. Uh, she, she not only likes how he looks, but, but also how he smells. His cheeks, verse 13, are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies dripping gold myrrh. And then she describes his body in a in language that reminds you of the most expensive statue that you can imagine. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His body is polished ivory bedecked with sapphires. 
His legs are alabaster or, or marble, columns set on bases of gold. Tall and majestic like the cedar trees in verse 15 in Lebanon. He looks good. But not only does he look good, he, he tastes good as well. She longs to kiss him in verse 16. His mouth is most sweet and he is altogether desirable. What's so great about your young man? The young women ask her. Well, she's, she's told them. And she's not shy to do that. And this she says, verse 16, is my beloved and my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Interesting, isn't it? She describes him in purely physical and quite sensual kinds of terms. But actually, he's not only her beloved, but also her friend. Uh, if you're a married person here, do make sure you cultivate friendship with your spouse. That may be your life partner, that may be your lover, that may be the parent of your child. You also want them to be your friend. Now, after this young woman in her dream has asked these, these daughters of Jerusalem to, to help her find her beloved, and after she's described him to them in such amazing terms, something a little bit strange happens, a bit surprising. It's okay because this is a dream, and lots of strange things happen in a dream. It seemed perfectly normal in a dream, and then, you know, later on you think maybe, how, how come I? Because right? what do they do? They ask her, where's the bridegroom gone? She asked them to help her find him, but now they want to know where he is. Verse 6, where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may, that we may seek him with you? And then, at that point, she suddenly realizes the answer. Verse 2, my beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens, to gather lilies. That's the same kind of language as being the, the language of, of intimacy, isn't it? That we've seen already right at the end of, of, of last week. In other words, he's still there. The intimate scene that we closed with last week actually is still happening. She's dozed off in this dream and he may not even have known. Her, her awakening earlier was a, was a false awakening and now she's awake to find that he's, he's actually with her. She thought she was abandoned. She thought she'd lost him. But now she knows exactly where he is. He's never left her. He's never forsaken her. She's always been securely in his arms. I am my beloved's, she says with contentment in verse 3. And my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. They are actually still together in the garden of love. The experience of the bride in this poem 
mirrors our experience as God's people. Uh, together, we are His church, the bride of Christ, and, and each one of us is part of it. But even in our own lives, in our relationship with Christ, we experience something of what this woman went through in this song. Things happen, trials come, and it seems like He's not there. And like the young lady in the dream, we can sometimes look around and we find no evidence of our beloved. Maybe we've spurned him and we think he's gone. Maybe we've sinned and we can't quite believe he's forgiven us despite the fact we've repented and taken it to the cross. And like the young lady, we, we, we look for him, we can't find him. We call and he gives no answer. Maybe people treat us in appalling ways like they treated her and he doesn't seem to know or care. And that can be so hard. But we need to learn, like that young lady, to, to focus on our bridegroom. When others treat us badly, we need to learn to focus not so much on our experience, but on our true love who treats us so differently. And together, corporately, we have the same experience as the bride of Christ. As, as a church, we will go through hard times. And sometimes it will seem like the bridegroom is absent. Sometimes we let him down and it feels like he's gone away. And young, like the young lady, we say to others, our companions, please help me find him again. We may suffer attack and persecution. And even when we face attack and persecution, we need to learn to, to keep our focus on him. How good, how attractive he is rather than on the persecution itself. We need to learn to keep cultivating our love for him even when we don't see him. As the Holy Spirit said to the church in 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you don't now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. Brothers and sisters, even as she searched for him, this young woman gloried in her bridegroom. And how much more should we glory in ours? For even when it seems like he's not there, we still know that Jesus is the best. That should keep our focus on him. When people say to us, what's so good about Jesus? Oh, we've got answers. If you're here today and you don't know how amazing Jesus is, and can I say, God read the message of his life in, in one of the first four books in the New Testament. And there you will see he is gentle, he's kind, he stands up for what is right, he's just, he's compassionate, he is wise, he's obedient to his Father, he is prayerful, he is good, he is so good. But if you're a believer here, then you know that the ultimate reason why he's so attractive is because he loves us. He loves us so much that He was willing to die for us. And on the cross, He bore our sin, our guilt, our shame, our punishment, our hell for us in our place. How good is that? We know He is the risen Lord who will one day return in splendor to judge the world. How good is that? We know He has given us His Spirit to enable us to, to know Him and love Him and trust Him even though we don't see Him. How good is that? And we know He connects us to the Father and that in Him we have forgiveness and acceptance and eternal life. How good is that? 
Jesus is so good. He is so appealing. We must keep our focus on him. And yet it's hard when we don't see him. And it's particularly hard when we are lonely, when we are disappointed, when we think we've let him down, when we are hurt by others. And people say, where has your beloved gone? And sometimes we even ask, is Jesus really with us? And yet it was the time like that when the bride chose to focus on her beloved and speak of him. But remember how that love song ended with her waking up and finding that, that he is still with her. Well, brothers and sisters, the, the world we live in today will one day feel like a dream. And on that day, like the bride in this story, we will realize that in the ups and downs of life, even when we couldn't see him there, our bridegroom has actually been with us all along. No matter what happens in the dream, in reality, we have always been safe with him. And so, sisters and brothers, the Bible tells us if we believe in Jesus, then spiritually we, we are already seated with him in the heavenly places, uh, even though physically we are here in KL. Spiritually, we're already gathered around his throne, even though we're still physically gathered here in the MPH of St. Mary's Cathedral. Spiritually, we belong to the day, the day that is to come, even as we live in this fallen world. And on that day, that final day, what is a spiritual reality now will be seen. And until that day, we trust in God's promises. In our New Testament reading from Hebrews today, we heard God's voice, never will I leave you nor forsake you. And so we find our security, not in money, but in him. When Jesus sent us out on mission, he said, Behold, I am with you always. And so we go out to make disciples of all nations, knowing that, that he is with us. He is with us by his Spirit. He is guarding us and keeping us. And one day we will be with him in glory. When the voice from the throne says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And so my brother, my sister, who trust in Jesus, whatever you are going through, take heart. Don't give up on your bridegroom. Keep remembering how good he is. Keep your focus on him. This, this whole sermon series on Song of Songs may be difficult for you. This whole season of life may be difficult for you. But your beloved really is yours. And you really are his. We are really with our bridegroom. And one day, this nightmare will be over. 
And with Jesus, our bridegroom, we will enjoy the new day and be forever with him in the garden of love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of your Son that he is with us even when we can't see him. Please help us to trust in your promises to us in him, to keep our focus on him even when we go through all kinds of dangers and pains and hurts in this troubled world. pray particularly for my sisters and brothers who are going through struggles and hardships and persecutions even today. Please reassure them of our Savior's love. And we pray that you keep us loving him until the day we awaken to enjoy him forever in the new creation. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen.